0: Planets in its place. I cannot count the sands upon the seashore, nor can I count the stars that float in space. But God can do what seems impossible. God controls eternity. Can never comprehend
1: it, but God in heaven cares
0: for me. I don't know all the meaning of forever, or just how long it's been since time began. I can't explain how Christ. Who is eternal could come to earth and die for sinful man. But God can do what seems impossible. God controls eternity. My mind can never comprehend.
1: Praise the Lord for that. We have a great God, don't we? And we've wanted to exalt Him this morning, and I trust that today God has been exalted and your soul has been uplifted by our fellowship, by the songs of the messages that we've heard so far. Well, I tell you what, I've enjoyed it. I I love hearing these songs. We sang one that we've not sang, I don't know if we've ever sung it here before, but uh, Immortal, Invisible. How many knew that song? Can I see your hands? About uh, a third of you knew that song. Well, it's a tremendous song, and I trust that we'll add that to our repertoire of music. I guess we could call that one of our contemporary songs then. That was the first time we sang it here at Westside Baptist Church. Well, take your Bibles if you would, and we're going to get in again to Luke chapter 12. In verse 16, I, uh, as we are in stewardship month, I'm uh, going to extend it into one week into December. We didn't start on the first week in November, but uh, we'll extend it one week in December. And I was thinking about this, five messages on stewardship, which is approximately one-tenth of a year. And I thought, well, that's significant because uh, to, to give a tithe, Is ten percent, and so as we talk about this this morning, uh, we we really want to understand what God has to say about our riches and material things and our concepts and our philosophy. Uh, This morning, as I was thinking about it, do you know that much of the Bible addresses two subjects or two sins in particular: sexual sins. Uh, I've been reading in uh, Paul's epistles and it talks about sexual sins and to keep yourselves from those things that defile us. And then it talks about materialism and God says you cannot serve two masters. You're going to love the one and hate the other or love the other and hate the, the, the other. So we're going to, to look at those things uh, this morning and deal with materialism and the idea of this rich fool. And let me begin reading again in verse 16 as we read this. He spake a parable, this is Luke chapter 12, verse 16. He spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do, I will pull down my barns and will build uh, greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. It's interesting as he talks about his soul here, that he, he puts a dichotomy here in his life that he's, he's talking to himself and understanding these things. He says, but God said, verse 20, But God said unto him, Thou fool. This night thy soul shall be required of thee, then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself, and is not rich towards God. Father, I pray that you'll work in our our hearts this morning as we've read the scriptures. You've convinced me that the power of this message is not in a preacher, but it is in your word. And so it's in your word that we find our guidance, we find our truth. It's not an opinion of somebody. Father, it's what thus saith the Lord. And how now that word will sink into our souls by the Holy Spirit's power working in bringing to light the truths of the scriptures. It is my prayer that your spirit would do his work in our souls today. I find my cup is running over this morning in the truths of the scriptures Father, we can gain insight into life, truth, happiness, joy, those things that have eternal values. Father, I just pray that you'll do your work this day. May the word of God be presented clearly and accurately. The Holy Spirit bring conviction to us. Whatever way we might need this morning, may we open our eyes to see the truths of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, we talked about His seeking. In the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about His seeking. And we've been looking at these things. And, and on the screen there, you will see the, the different concepts, the five follies that I brought out. And truly, there are more here. But the folly of His possessions, that, that He looked at his, his possessions, thinking how that He had gained these things, rather than what has God done for Him. And then the the personal gain, how that he looked at the things that he had get, gotten in this life as those things for himself, rather than how he can be a blessing to other people. Remember, if you were here last week, I told you the story of how God laid on my heart about giving uh, a tip to the, the lady in uh, at uh, hometown Buffet, my favorite place to eat because usually I don't like to tip, you know, and, and, uh, and I think I can get away with things. But when God gets a hold of your heart, and I want you to know that there's a conclusion to that story, and I was obedient to what God laid on my heart and thank the Lord for that. I praise the Lord for His, His working in my life. And I'll tell you what, I would never want to come to the place where I do not hear what God wants for my life. How about you? And if I say no to God and I resist what he tells me to do, then why should God even talk to us? We need to be saying yes to the Lord. And with, with our being, say, God, I want to do, I surrender all, whatever you have for my life, I want to be obedient to it and let God take care of the rest. So his personal gain, what can I do? I can build my, my bigger barns. And then the, the folly of presumption, presumption believing that what has happened in the past will bring his fortune to the, the future and, and how that he had been successful in his past and he had thought, well, I'll be successful in my future. And sometimes people find themselves getting into great debt because of that, thinking that because of how things have been built in their past, we'll, uh, they'll have that success in their future. And that's not necessarily the, the truth. Then the folly of pleasure, deluding himself, thinking that the more stuff he has, the happier he will be. Sometimes the more stuff you have, the more sad you can be, thinking about all of your stuff, and we'll be looking at that as a torment sometimes, even to your soul. Then we look at the folly of pride, 11 personal pronouns here in these verses that I I read. He will say to himself, he's carrying on this conversation uh, with himself, and and what I'm going to do, and, and thinking about this, he he had uh, stated his intentions. I've got it all figured out. I'm going to work hard, and I'm going to find contentment. Only to find that that night his soul was required of him. Jerry, you brought up last week that really in this passage of scriptures, we see a lot of, of good qualities. We see a man that's working hard. We see a man who, who uh, wants to be progressive and all these kinds of things. But what we see is that he left out God. Isn't that right? And that's, that's what happens. Sometimes our things can cause us to leave God out of our lives. And that becomes a very empty life. And so as we looked at his seeking, these follies help us to understand that these are the concepts of a fool. And we don't want to become a fool. We see in verse 20, he says, But God said unto him, Thou fool. And I want to talk about this, the terror of the night. The Bible says in verse 20, God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. You know, I find it interesting the word required there. I looked it up this morning, Rose, and I found that this word, uh, required, has the idea of demanding back. God is demanding back that man's soul. You see, when God created man, he gave, he breathed into him the breath of life. And he became a living soul. That's what separates man from an animal. Man has a soul that will live someplace in eternity forever. And God says, this night thy soul shall be required. It's going to be demanded back. And God is going to take that man's life. By the way, when you get saved, everything belongs to him. Isn't that right? Uh, what does it say in 1 Corinthians? I'm trying to quote it uh, uh, Chapter uh, 6, verse 19 and 20. Uh, what know you not that you're bought with a price? Therefore, glorify God in your body. It's not your own. You've been bought with this price. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, He died and He rescued us from hell. He's given to us eternity in heaven. We belong to Him. Everything that we have belongs to Him. And yet this man, his, he says, "Thou fool, this night I'm going to take back your soul. And we find him there, the terror of the night. Here in Isaiah 21.4, and some people have the terror of the night. Now, I, I want to again say this. I want to be careful that his concept wasn't what got him into heaven or into hell. His concept was about himself, and that's a dangerous way to live. And truly, a lot of lost people live that way. But we're not talking about necessarily heaven and hell here, that this man will find himself, though I do believe that many people will find themselves in hell because of leaving God out of their lives. Everyone who does not accept Jesus Christ as their Savior will find themselves in hell. But this man has a terror in the night, and he wakes up with... His, his, his work he's been doing, and he's been pulling down his barns, and he's been building up, and he's been working. Maybe he's been fretting, and people have been working and working, but it never comes to the place of ease in his soul. The night turns to fear. Isaiah 21, 4 says, My heart panted, fearfulness affrighted me. The night of my pleasure hath he turned into the fear unto me. You know, sometimes we talked about this on, I think it was Wednesday night, how that uh, sometimes we can't shut our brains off at night. And sometimes we can't shut our brains off in the morning. And we we did a survey on Tuesday night, how many cannot shut their brains off at night and how many can't shut their brains off in the morning. And do you know it was about 50-50? You know what it is to go to bed at night and you can't shut your brain off. How many know that? Yeah. Oh, boy. Well, a lot of you. (laughs) All right. How many know when you wake up in the morning, you can't shut your brain off and it just starts a-rolling? Well, I must be speaking to a different crowd here then. But <laughs> well, mine gets a-going in the morning, and boy, it just starts a-rolling. And uh, the anguish that can come in your soul. I, I started learning some verses, and, and this was a verse that uh, I have started to learn this week, actually. is Psalm 31, 7. I will be glad and rejoice in your unfailing love. Focusing on His unfailing love. You you have seen my trouble. And God cares about the anguish of my soul. God cares. Praise the Lord for that. And then Psalm 143, verse 8. I think we gave this verse on Tuesday night as well. Cause me to hear Thy loving kindness in the morning. For in Thee do I trust. You and I come up with, Brother Van Hooser, I discovered that because... The anguish in my soul is a lot to do with not trusting in God. You all know what I'm talking about? Not trusting in his hands and his help in your life. So it says, cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. That's a verse for me because I I wake up in the morning and my mind's going. When I go to bed at night, I lay my head on the pillow and I am gone. That is a great blessing. Amen. Thank the Lord for that. But in the morning, my brain starts going, and pretty soon there can become anguish in my soul. And so I begin to quote these verses, and I begin to think about God's loving kindness. In thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk, for I lift up my soul unto thee. Man, i am telling you, my friends, that's the place where our soul needs to be. It needs to belong to the Lord and it needs to be caught up in the heavenlies and and who God is. But he says in verse 20, but God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. And this is what I'd like to ask you right now. If you laid your head upon the pillow and you went to sleep tonight, And your eyes did not wake up here, but they woke up in eternity. Where would you be? I want to tell you something. The terror of the night when we think about all of our problems and all of our struggles and all the difficulties of our life will have no comparison if we wake up in eternity lost and in hell. We can't even imagine the terrors of hell. Someone said this week, he says, are you one of those hellfire and damnation preachers? Do we want to sugarcoat the place that God says the worm dies not? The place that has been prepared for Satan and his followers? Do we want to sugarcoat that? Do we want to sugarcoat the great sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross so that we don't have to go to this awful place called hell? It is an awful place. And it is a real place. And people today want to have their ears tickled and go to places where they don't hear about hell. Hell is real. And someday we will wake up in eternity. Can you imagine opening your eyes and seeing the flames of eternity? And understanding you can never change. Your destiny once you're there. Now, praise God, we can change our destiny now. Amen. And if you aren't certain where you're going to spend eternity, why not today put your faith in the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross who through his love and his grace and his mercy has extended to all men salvation. Praise God. I am so glad that I have been saved. I have rejoiced in that. Because when I wake up, when I lift up my eyes, I will see the glories of heaven. I will find eternity there because of my faith in Jesus Christ and nothing else. You know, Brother Turner brought this out in Sunday school this morning. There's a C.S. Lewis uh, book called The Great Divorce. How many have ever read that book? All right, some of you Have. I have not, but he was explaining to me this morning about it. And it's basically those that, uh, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but apparently are wanting to get or, or would get on a bus going to heaven from hell. Is that, is that correct? Is something to that effect in there? Uh, I, but anyways, the idea is, the truth is, is you do not see people even requesting to get out of hell. You go to Luke chapter 16. What did the man request? Send someone here to cool my thirst. The reality of that rich man in hell is he realized that he would be in hell forever. And then as the story goes on, the Bible says there's a great gulf fix and says there is no transition between heaven and hell. When you die, your eternity is settled. God says to this man, thy fool, This night thy soul shall be required of thee. Oh my, eternity lost. My friends, do not sell your soul for eternity's lost. The fool there. And you know what? I was thinking about this. Not only this fool as he wakes up in hell, but you know what? I believe that those who are born again and have Jesus Christ as their Savior, when you wake up into heaven, you might realize that you played the fool. What do you think? The reality, sometimes it doesn't hit us here. But reality is that someday we are going to wake up somewhere. And he says, "Uh, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be? The short-sightedness of the fool, which thou hast provided. And then he says in verse 20, so is he that layeth up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. Oh I tell you my friends the Bible talks about us leaving here the terror of the night and the treasures lost <laughs> leaving behind leaving behind everything we have. do you all know that we're going to leave everything behind someday? Hey, yeah amen let someone else take fix that car or, or I still got a ho- a leak in my roof at my house I, be, uh, uh, I somehow some way that might get fixed one of these days. <laughs> treasures lost god has given us so much but we have not been made ourselves rich towards god being rich treasures lost here we read this verse before psalm 49:17 for when he dieth he shall carry nothing away his glory shall not descend after him we leave everybody was it, uh, Billy Graham said, I've never seen a U-Haul trailer attached to a hearse. We leave everything behind. May God help us with this. Solomon struggled with this. Solomon was one of the richest men that ever lived. He struggled with this. He says, yea, I hated all my labor which I had taken under the sun. Can you imagine a man... Hating all the things that he's accomplished in his life. Why? Why does it say? Because I should leave it unto the man that shall be after me. This brought torment. This brought torment. Verse 19 says, And who knoweth whether he shall be a wise man or a fool? Now, truly, we understand Solomon's son did play the fool, Rehoboam, and it split the kingdom. Yet shall he have rule over all my labor, everything I have created, everything I have done. And and Solomon is speaking here of a view under under heaven and looking at everything in this world. And he says everything that I've labored for and 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 left behind. I've labored and wherein I have showed myself wise under the sun, this also is vanity and vexation, and vexation of spirit. He is tormented. He is tormented. You know, one of the greatest estates that we can leave to our children is to love God. A godly heritage. Training our young people to have good work ethics. Amen to that. Brother Tetro wrote a message, and it's a wonderful message. I've asked Pastor Nathan to bring it out to our, our Home Builders class, and it talks about teaching our, our children work ethics and you know, how important it is to teach our children these things. The terror of the night, not only here, eternity could be lost, but also the lost treasures that we see him having. In Psalms 106, verse 15, yeah, the Bible says He gave them the request. Talking about Israel here, He gave them the request. Man, they got what they really wanted, but He sent leanness unto their soul. Leanness unto their soul. In Ecclesiastes again, back in verse 5, He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This also is vanity. Vanity. When goods increase, they are increased that eat them. In other words, the more that you have, the more stuff that you have. Then he says, and what good is there to the owners thereof? What is the value of all the stuff that we have? Saving the beholding of them with our eyes. In other words, look what I've got. What's wrong with that statement? It's pride, isn't it? It's the lust of the flesh. It's, it's, it's a worldly philosophy. It's the concept of the fool. Look what I have. I said I think last week as we buy stuff we can't uh, afford to impress neighbors that we don't even like. <laughs> we need to be careful about. And you know what? As we come into Christmas season, this is a good message for all of us. Sometimes we lose the whole season because we're caught in the wrong direction. Verse 12 says, The sleep of a laboring man is what? Sweet. Whether he eats little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. Can you imagine losing your sleep because of your things? But the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. Verse 13 says, there is a sore evil. When it talks about this sore evil, I'm telling you, when you have an anxious soul, when you have this torment that's going on about the problems and the struggles and not trusting the Lord, boy, he says, it's a sore evil. He says, I've seen this under this sun mentality. That's what Ecclesiastes is dealing with. I think uh, Jeremiah, uh, David Jeremiah, he's written a book called Heaven on Earth. When we make our kingdom here in this under-the-sun mentality, namely riches kept for the owners that are up to their own hurt. Can you imagine the things that you have can come to bring destruction in your life? And we don't think that way, do we? We think, man, if I get this and I get that, I'm going to have more fun. I'm going to have more pleasures. I'm going to... You know it can drag you away, and I have seen people being dragged away from who God is by the stuff that they have. First Timothy chapter six, we looked at this a while back, also. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into any many foolish and hurtful loss. Now, listen here. Does he say here that it's wrong to be rich? No. Catch it. It's very important. The words are selected. They that what? Will be rich. What's, 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 what's being stated here? I want to be rich. It's the concept of the fool. I want my toys. I want my things. They that will be rich. There's nothing wrong with being rich. In fact, this passage here is talking about the blessings of our riches that we can be a blessing to other people. There's nothing wrong with being rich. By the way, sitting in this room is people that uh, are richer than, what, 98% of the world? We don't realize how rich we are. They that will be rich, though, they have this desire, they have this longing. They, they fall into temptations and snares and in many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some covet after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Oh, I tell you, should we listen to what we're hearing this morning? Yeah, nothing wrong with being rich. God says that he is the maker of the rich and the poor. Is that not right? It's God who gives us the ability to have the things. And God gives wisdom. Boy, I tell you what, I am so thankful for the wisdom that God gives and how we are to invest and how we are to take care of things. We give Him the praise and the glory for all of that. 1 Timothy 6, 9 and 10. Talking here in Malachi. And I will rebuke the devourers for your sakes. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vines cast their fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. If you were to turn back to Malachi, in fact, if you would just turn back there to Malachi chapter 3. Here's a promise here. I don't know about you, but God speaks to my heart. And even in preparing this message and having prepared this message a month ago, God continues to speak to my heart in that there are troubles in my soul because I do not trust the Lord. He says in verse 8, Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. This is uh, Malachi 3, verse 8. Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? And tithes and offerings. He says you're cursed with a curse. For ye have robbed me. Even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes in the storehouse. That there will be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith. Saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you. The windows of heaven. And pour you out a blessing. That there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I'll rebuke those devourers. For your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground; neither shall your vine cast her forth, fruit forth before its time. In the field, saith the Lord of hosts. I want to ask you a question: Do we believe what God says in His Word? I believe that a lot of people have anguish in their soul because they put so much importance on their stuff, and they don't. They don't act in obedience to the Lord and they're they're so concerned about their stuff and, and I'll be honest with you, there's a temptation and there's a struggle. The more stuff you have, the more anxious your soul can become. If, I need to qualify that, if you put your importance in your stuff. If you, like Job, could say, the Lord giveth, And the Lord taketh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, Job was the richest man in his time, probably. There was none like Job, a very well-to-do man. But God tested his soul and allowed the devil to come and take away so much in such a short time. Would we still praise him? I would hope we would. Because our praise and our joy and our significance of life is not in our stuff. It is in Jesus Christ. In that we know Him and the power of His resurrection. Man, I tell you what, I have all things that pertain to godliness. I have Jesus Christ in my my soul. There's significance there because I'm a child of the King. I don't need stuff to give me significance. I don't have to drive or wear those things of this world to give significance. We need to put our eyes on our our Lord, and we need to get rid of the concepts of the fool and the concepts of this world. Because there's many a Christians who are buying into the world philosophy, and they're finding torture in their soul. And right now, I'd like to ask you to be be honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself. I have to be honest with myself. Bob, I, you know, I look at different people and I have to look at around to figure out whose name I remember here this morning. Lance. Uh, as I was preparing this message this morning, and this, these things I was saying, you know, I had to really come to terms that there's anxious in my soul for different things that are going on because I do not trust God as I ought to. You know what I'm talking about, Jay. There's worry that comes in. When I go into this building project, I'm telling you what, sometimes my stomach is doing, doing flip flops. Gary, you're yeah, saying, I know, I've seen you out there, worked with you alongside of you. It's, it's because of a lack of trust. Isn't that what it is? Trusting in the hands of Almighty God. What did Ernie sing this morning? What a God we serve. We lose sight of God because we put our eyes on our stuff or even on our own hands to create the stuff rather than His ability. This man probably lost his soul long before God said, This night, thy soul shall be required of thee. We need to change our perspective. We need to change our view. We need to change what we value. We need to change our eyes. In fact, that's that's what the Bible says. He that, that scattereth, and yet in, he increases. And there is that withholdeth more than is meet, but it tendeth to poverty. Do we understand the leanness in the soul by having a heart for self rather than a heart for others? Here's this person that goes out there and he gives and He helps people and He encourages people. The Bible says, yet He increases. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that I can go out and I can give and yet I have increase in my life. That is God. That's God's math, isn't it? I called it my toothpaste revelation. Uh, some of you have heard my toothpaste. I mean, I say that because hopefully it reminds you of what that... How many remember my toothpaste revelation? One. One. I guess that was a powerful illustration, wasn't it? Tell us again. My toothpaste revelation is God's math, which is there in Malachi chapter 3. And there in uh, Proverbs chapter 3, where he talks about, Thy barn shall be filled with plenty. Honor the Lord with thy substance, thy barns. Here in in Malachi chapter 3, he says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse and prove me in mine house and prove me now wherein, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. What that means, and if I could bring this down into my toothpaste revelation, that if my house or my barns could hold a hundred percent, and that's what God gives. He gives a hundred percent. And I take that which belongs to Him and I give it to the Lord, He honors it by increasing what my house can hold not to a hundred percent, but to a hundred and ten percent. He multiplies what we do for him. Give and it shall be given to you. pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. Yet the person who withhold that which God has required of him, he thinks, you know what? I'm going to keep my stuff. I'm going to keep my stuff. What is it? He that withholdeth, what, it does, what does that do? It tended to poverty. You know, I believe that God will send the devourers. And instead of living on what you would think or what I would think is 100%, God takes what belongs to Him. That's my toothpaste revelation. God blesses and increases and multiplies. Do you all believe that? How many have seen God multiply? Can I see your hand? He does. He's true to His Word. Always and all the increase in my soul because of have been obedient to the Lord. My cup runs over. We got so much stuff and that's blessings. Yeah, it surely is blessings. And so what do I want? Do I want the devourers to come? How many want devourers to come? I've had devourers come last week. I told you about one devourer that came. Praise God, the preacher got right with the Lord and the devourer left. <laughs> I hope you'll rather hold of this. There is that scattereth, taking care, give and it shall be given, and yet increases. And there is that withholdeth more than his meat. He's holding on. Boy, I've got to keep it. And he says it. Hey, listen, you can't hold on strong enough to the hands of God who's able to take it. But it tendeth to poverty, and that poverty you can you by the, you know if, if I were to catch anything from this message, that poverty, the greatest poverty that you and I can experience, is the poverty in our soul. The leanness in the soul. Yes, we got what we wanted, but he sent leanness to the soul. Twenty five says the liberal soul. This is one of my favorite verses. Shall be made fat. <laughs> I like that. The liberal soul shall be made fat and he that watereth shall be watered also himself. He that withholdeth corn, the people will curse him, but blessing shall be upon the head of him that selleth it. Man. Verse 27 and 28. He that diligently seeketh good procureth favor, but he that seeketh mischief it shall come upon him, he that trusteth in his riches shall fall, but the righteous shall flourish as a branch. Wow, what a tremendous, tremendous verse. May God help us to change our view to who he has Turn to, to Luke chapter uh, Matthew excuse me Matthew chapter 19, 6 verse 19. Matthew chapter 6 verse 19 Lay up not for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt where thieves break through and steal but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal nor for where your treasure is there will your heart be also Now why does he say that You know, your heart is your soul. It's the center of your emotions, your intellect, all those things, your will, your intellect, those types of things like that. This is your soul. He says, There will your heart be also. Many times people hang their heart into a dangerous location, and that's here in this world. And they have anguish in their soul. He says, The light of the body is the eye. In other words, what we see, how we see things. He says, if therefore thine eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light. In other words, if we are living in light or in view of eternity, then we are going to see this world differently than how the world sees this view. You change your views and you change your values. He says, but if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. There's going to be hard decisions to be made. There's going to be difficulties. There's going to be confusion. There's going to be the anguish of the soul because my eyes are not where they ought to be. How great is that darkness? He says, you cannot serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other or else you will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God. And man. Oh, God wants us to be rich towards him. Boy, I wish I wish I I I when I have this anguish in my soul, I need to make sure that I change my views and my values. And there's a God who's able to take care of us. Amen to that. The materialism will enslave your heart, Matthew six. 19 and 21, materialism will enslave your mind. Matthew chapter 6, 22 and 23, materialism will will enslave your will. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24, the concepts of a fool. I can't encourage you enough. I cannot encourage you enough to do what God asks you to do. And that's not for this preacher. That is for you. I am saddened because people do not trust God as I find myself times not trusting God. And I know what it does to my soul. I remember years ago when we first started this church, God asked of me something that He most likely will not ask of you, but He has asked it of me. And when I was 16 years of age, I told the Lord I would do what He asked me to do we came out here and just a young couple and God asked me to give up my entire life savings. And at that time, that was a lot to a young couple. And I said at that time, I said, Lord, if that's what you want, it took me about a month to make this decision though, uh, Carolyn. I'm not always obedient right away. You all know what I'm talking about? It took me about a month to make this decision and oftentimes when God has a direction in your life, He will not let you go until you say yes. He would not let me go. Some of you have heard this story before. And I said, you know what? I'll never be able to buy a house. I forgot that there's a God in heaven who's able to buy houses without any money. We were able to buy our first house with no money and pay it off in Ten years. Because of the wealthy salary that Westside Baptist Church gave me. You think that was the case? God wanted to prove something to me. I said, God, we'll never be able to buy a house, but if that's what you want, we'll do it. And not only were we able to buy one house with no money, but we've bought five with no money. You say, how does that happen? God says, you remember when you said, never be able to do this? That was your calculations. Let me show you what I can do. I asked myself, Wayne, why do I still struggle with trusting God? When I have seen his hands so marvelously work time and time again. And I want to encourage you. You do what God wants you to do and let him fill your barns. Let him fill your soul. You might be living right now in leanness of your soul because you're not willing to trust Him. The concepts of a faithful man is saying, God, whatever you want, you're my Lord. Let's have heads bowed and eyes closed, if we would, for just a second. The concepts of faithfulness. Moses, in Hebrews chapter 11, says... Choosing rather to suffer the afflictions with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteemed the reproaches of Christ of greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Moses trusted God. If it would be said of the folks of West Side Baptist Church in this preacher that we would just trust the Lord. We can't even imagine those things that God would accomplish for His glory. Honor the Lord with thy substance, and with the firstfruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. We should not have vanity in our soul. We should not have emptiness. Our soul should be running over because of the greatness of who God is. Being rich towards God. I want to encourage you to change your view. To trust in the Lord. And don't worry. This will bring winning in your soul. So Lord, as you look at this time together as we've hurriedly come now through these steps of winning. Lord, uh, we missed some points this morning but yet we see that even in this passage where people are torn apart because of worries. God, help us now as we look at these truths that you will just grab hold of our soul and that this morning we might understand the principles of living for you. So, Lord, I pray that you'll just help us in our concepts of faithfulness, our concepts of our eyes and our views on thee, Help us to understand the warnings of the devourers, of the poverty, of the leanness, of the slow, of the sleepless nights, of worry. Because we try to hold on to accomplish those things in our own strength. Versus trust and sleep and blessings and joy and winning because it is more blessed to give than to receive the honor with God's substance to honor Him and the barns being full and our cups running over and the good measures and the windows of heaven and the light in our soul, the real treasures. God, help us not to be foolish. Help us to trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I wonder, there's two things that have been brought up in this message. Is Basically, bottom line, this message is about our soul. It's really not about our materialism. It's about our soul, where we'll have the riches of God's glory. Do you have Jesus Christ in your soul? If you do, praise the Lord for that. If you don't, why not today put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? If you were to open your eyes in eternity, what would you see? If you're not certain of your eternal destiny, then why not today come and put your faith in him? And secondly, God has blessed your life by giving to us the greatest treasure of all, salvation. God was not willing that any should perish, and so He sent His Son to this world, His only begotten Son. Whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The greatest gift of all mankind is the gift of eternal life that cost God His dear Son dying on that cross. God was willing to give us all that He had for our salvation. I wonder, are we willing to live for Him? Maybe God's speaking to your heart. Maybe right now you're saying, Preacher, there's anguish in my soul. Truly, there's some things I've been disobedient about. There's things I'm not trusting the Lord in. How does it come to trust? Lord, help us to come to that place where we, tr- we see Your hands. We understand who you are. We don't have this leanness in our soul. If God has spoke to your heart, why don't you just make some decisions right now for Him? Maybe right now say, I'll be obedient to the Lord. I'll be obedient to the Lord. Trust and obey. Is there any other way? Are we convinced that God's Word is true? Don't sit there and make excuses, my friend. All you're doing is hurting yourself. So, Father, I pray that right now we'll make the decisions that You have for us and we'll be obedient. I know that, Father, You don't want us to come kicking and screaming. You want us to come with a joy in our heart because we truly believe what you say in your word. There should be such a joy, for this is the day that you've made, you've given to us. You've given to us all things to enjoy. And Lord, the treasures that we can share with others. God, help us to have our minds set on thee and to be obedient unto you. And we're going to give you the praise and the glory for what you do in our hearts. It is my prayer that there wouldn't be one here that would leave this building without knowing Jesus as their Savior. And Father, there wouldn't be any that would leave after taking care of those responsibilities, taking care of just trusting You and believing in what You do and being obedient. Oh, the torments that we bring to ourselves because we take our eyes off of You and we put it on to the things, the evil, the darkness that comes into the soul. Lord, I've asked You to forgive me time and time again. As we become sensitive to Your leadership and to Your guidance in our lives, that You will show us the path to walk, that we walk obediently. We'll give You the praise for the decisions that have been made this morning, how You've worked in our hearts. We've asked the Holy Spirit to do His work today. And if there's a pricking going on in our souls today, help us to surrender it. As Drew played on the trumpet, I surrender all. Thank you, Father, for the truths of the Word of God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Trust and obey. What page number is that, honey? 196. Let's stand together. Let's sing it together. If you've made decisions, why don't you just continue to talk to the Lord or sing this morning. If you need to make some decisions, please don't leave without making the right decisions for God. (imitation) glory <imitation> Other way, there isn't. Does God know what He says to be true? Absolutely. May God help us with that. There's no other way. Well, may God bless you. Before we leave, we've got some folks that are celebrating 50 years, I believe. Do we have those up there, Lloyd and Donna Fisher? 50 year anniversary. Amen. Praise the Lord, where are you? Are you in this service, Lloyd and Donna? Right there, you are. Oh, you're separated this morning by your friends. I don't know about that. (laughs) Wow, it's great to have you folks with us. Amen. What an honor. We also have one more celebrating Rick and Margaret Peterson. Margaret, where's you? Where are you? Back there someplace. She's so short, I can't see. Oh, there she is. She's sitting over on this side. 50 years. So both of you are celebrating 50 years one day apart from each other. So praise the Lord for you. Isn't it wonderful to have a Lord in our lives? Let's sing, yes, Lord, yes. I'll do your will. I'll do your way. Let's sing it together as we close this service. Yes, Lord, yes. I'll say, yes, Lord, yes, to agree amen to that. And my I have never regretted saying yes to the Lord. How about you? Amen? God bless you. You are dismissed.